now we're back and we're here today with episode three. What are we talking about today, Gonzo? North Carolina, Tennessee, and hygiene. Woohoo! This is going to be kind of like a jam-packed episode, I feel like. I think so too. There's a lot going on. Before we get into it, any exciting updates? Bear is back. This time it was a mama bear and two cubs in my front yard hanging out scoping out the trash but trash day was yesterday so oh that's so cute i'm so jealous i love black bear cubs are the cutest animal they are i feel like that's that's it universal they're the cutest they're little ears and then when they climb little trees they're just i want to own one but i know it's unethical but i just want to <laughs> snuggle it <laughs> it would be so cool nothing nearly that exciting from me dc bear is gone dc bear is gone no news from dc bear dc smoke is what we're kind of in right now Mm. the past couple of days we've been back in the wildfire smoke which hasn't been great but hopefully it rains on canada soon yeah shout out to all the hikers hiking in the smoke yeah oh yeah we're not hiking in the smoke or resting in the smoke that's fine yeah no, I can't imagine. I went for a run and I was like, mm, a little slow, a little bit of a struggle bus. Understandable. So shall we get into it? Let's do it. All right. So we'll start off talking about our states, our trail section for today, which is North Carolina and Tennessee. And I'll admit I'm pretty unfamiliar with that section of the AT. Which one do you go into first? North Carolina. And then for a while, you're just kind of bouncing between North Carolina and Tennessee on the state line and then Tennessee. And how hard was the trail, the hiking relative to other sections? That's a tough question. I think each section has its own type of difficulties. Here, I would say the main challenges were the, the higher elevation and then the more severe weather that came with that but other than that the towns were fairly accessible the trail wasn't particularly rocky compared to other areas and it was beautiful that sounds pretty nice i know there's like big landmarks obviously the great smoky mountains what are what are the mile markers or big things you hit in north carolina and tennessee you mentioned the Smoky Mountains. That's a big one. And within the Smokies, um, you have Clingman's Dome, which is the highest point on the AT. It's pretty cool. You can drive up there, which is one of those things that's always a little little disheartening when you get up there. But you also hit the 100-mile mark right when you get into um, or shortly after you get into North Carolina, which is really exciting. Just having that first 100 miles under your belt. Nice. And then I think uh, Tennessee, I think you hit mile 200, 300, and then 400 before you're out of Tennessee. That's pretty exciting. Then you're like almost a quarter of the way through the trail. Yeah. That's crazy. How high is Clingman's Dome? Do you know? I don't know off the top of my head. I know it's over 6,000 feet. I'm just not sure exactly what it is but i know you do hit quite a few mountains that are five thousand six thousand feet in the section of trail which yeah it does bring the more severe weather but on the beautiful days it is really beautiful when you get that visibility so clingman's dome is six thousand six hundred forty three feet which makes it the third highest mountain east of the mississippi at least in the united states and we talked about the weather sort of in the smokies last time uh in our episode of georgia and cold weather and we're definitely going to see some of an example of the bad weather in our mini episode that's either going to be right before or after this what time of year were you in sort of north carolina tennessee because i feel like in my head it's spring so it should be getting better but maybe not at elevation right that's exactly it so at elevation you could have snow in may so I was in this area in April and then going into the beginning of May. And I did, for the most part, look out with weather. Um, I had some colder days in the Smokies like we talked about in the last episode. But all in all, I had decent weather. Where did you stop for resupplies in this section? What was your favorite town? 
Yeah. Anything that you're up to, Helen? That's what we really want to know. <laughs> I uh, I preferred the North Carolina towns to Helen. I resupplied at the NOC, the the Nantahala Outdoor Center, which is like right on trail. You don't have to to go far. They just have like a little convenience store there. I went into Franklin to the Ingalls to resupply. That was really fun. I I do really like Franklin. They embrace the trail town identity. Hot Springs was also nice. They have a, I think it was their liquor store actually, that they have a rooster. I <laughs> like you just, you walk in and there's a rooster wandering around. I think I resupplied at the Dollar General there. And Irwin in Tennessee is, is another small town. And then um, I also got more food at two other hostels in Tennessee, uh, Station 19E and Boots Off Hostel. Out of all of those, I would say, hmm, Franklin is my favorite town, but I had a really great time in Hot Springs just because it was a really big group of hikers there, some hikers from the past year doing trail magic, and I got a hitch on a lawnmower, which was just really fun. That's sweet. It saved me from walking up a big hill. <laughs> that's a really that's a sick ride. Um, also, for anyone who's listening who's not been around in the sort of American Southeast, Angles is just a grocery store. Rather expensive. They're, I feel like they're like a Carolina exclusive. They're kind of like the Carolina Wagnons. I think so. Yeah. I don't know if they're quite as big as Wagnons, but they are a little bit expensive, but they do have some really good sandwiches. Overall, what would you say was the best part of the North Carolina Tennessee section? I liked the the kind of spooky ridges. That was my memory of the very beginning of North Carolina, going up on Standing Indian Mountain. I didn't have the best views early in the mornings, but it was really foggy. And because you're at a higher elevation, the trees are kind of scraggly looking. So it was just it was a different vibe, but I really enjoyed that. I had my first shelter experience, first time staying in a shelter uh, in North Carolina, which was fun. And the Fontana Hilton is right before the Smokies. That's not a like real Hilton hotel. It is a shelter. Oh. Um, fondly called the Fontana Hilton. <laughs> but it's called that because it's really nice. It's a big shelter. They're like working bathrooms and showers that you can walk to they have a little solar charger where you can charge your phones that wasn't working great when i was there but still they have like picnic tables a lot of amenities for a shelter so i was really looking forward to that and it was really fun that sounds amazing that's crazy i did not know there were any shelters that had plumbing yeah is that the only one on the whole like on were there any others where you had like plumbed bathrooms that is the only one that i'm aware of that you could easily walk to a bathroom that had plumbing flushing flushing toilets and showers yeah mom and our stepdad came to visit that same day and we went to an easter buffet that was amazing that was my first experience on trail with an all-you-can-eat buffet it was delicious going into tennessee i love the roan highlands I had great weather for that. Cowboy camped on Grassy Ridge. Um, that's another really, really high. I don't, I don't really know if you call it a peak because it's a bald. It's, when I think of a peak, I think of a something out in the Rockies. But that was really beautiful. And then Laurel Fork Falls, that whole area in Tennessee, uh, I really loved as well. Everything was starting to bloom at that point. We'd come down out of the mountains it was like walking along a beautiful river, swam in the water, under the waterfall. It was it was great. Starting to feel like spring. That sounds awesome. I really need to go to Roan Highlands. Um, yes. I don't know if you remember, but like five years ago, almost six years. No, six years ago when I was in school and I had to plan a trip as a project, I asked you where I should plan it for and you told me to do Roan Highlands. So I have still like the google doc of a full week-long backpacking trip planned for rome highlands that i never actually did because i just turned it in for a grade we have to go 
Yeah. It sounds amazing. We'll stay on Grassy Ridge, though. We gotta make sure we work that in. That whole section just sounds beautiful. Like, the Southern Appalachians are so, so pretty, so cool, and yeah. So now the worst part. What was bad about it? In North Carolina, I didn't have the best luck with the balds. I did get to see Max Patch, which was also beautiful. Sunset there was incredible. My husband brought Indian food. That was super cool. But the other balds, like Siler Bald, um, Waya Bald, were totally socked in. It was super foggy. Couldn't really see anything. Started raining. A little bit windy. Not snowing, which was nice, but didn't really get the best views there. And I also stayed at the NOC and it was not, not homey. It was not homey. It was uh, like a little bit prison vibey, like, uh, like cinder block, cinder block walls and no linens on the beds and everything was white. And you didn't get a towel and no pillows, nothing. It was just very minimalist. I guess that's maybe a nicer way to say it. So I didn't, that just didn't quite meet my, the expectations I had in my head. Um, but I think my overall least favorite part about this section was the, the toilet areas in Tennessee. Before we get into the toilet areas, the NOC is the Nantahala Outdoor Center, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, Sockton. I've never heard Stockton before. Oh, Stockton is just, it's like really foggy. You can't see okay. anything. So just like no view. Exactly. Yep. All right. Let's, let's do toilet. This is our perfect, like, this is why we put hygiene with Tennessee and North Carolina. So tell us about <laughs> the bad toilet areas. What I heard on trail that I actually haven't verified was that in Tennessee, they're not allowed to build privies because during prohibition people would still moonshine in outhouses so they have a law that you can't have outhouses and privies i'm not sure if that's true but that's what i heard and tennessee really i don't think they had one privy it was uh they had a usually had a signpost that said toilet area kind of off to the side of the shelter and it was so gross it was so gross like you walk over there and if you started digging like I mean I I usually tried to just go further back in the woods because you don't know what you're gonna find or you do know what you're gonna find and you don't want to find it so that was pretty gross and especially because we're still kind of closer to the beginning of the trail and because the Smokies are um, of a pretty high visitation rate of, you know, people coming and backpacking there as well. I think maybe people aren't digging their cat holes deep enough. And, uh, and it just, it's not great when there's a heavy rain and all of the toilet paper is exposed. It's, it's nasty. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty bad. That just sounds icky. Is there like a lot of norovirus there or... Not that I heard of. I think the norovirus outbreak that I recall hearing about was somewhere in Virginia. But I wouldn't be surprised if there was also some in Tennessee. I'm trying to look up and see if I can verify this law. Mostly if you, if I like trying to Google it, I just keep getting stuff about how to live off grid. So the, the legality of the privies is is not verified here so it's unverified but i really like the history of like (laughs) it's a prohibition era law the lore is good even if it's not 100 percent factually confirmed it's great the lore cool let's talk more about toilet can you give us what the requirements are what's a what makes a good cat hole let's correct this problem that we're having educate the next classes of through hikers on how to make the perfect cat hole so the way i measured it was i knew it had to be the length of or the depth of my deuce of spades so if leave no trace says that a cat hole should be four to six inches wide and six to eight inches deep in most cases so if you do have a deuce of spades that is something that you can use to just help measure it and make sure that you have the depth correct 
that the deuce of spades seems shallow but and i guess that's like your minimum like down sorry go ahead no i just i'm still curious how people would dig a proper cat hole without like some sort of tool to help i think trying to dig that with a rock or with your trekking pole or a stick would be really time consuming is that a strategy like is that a do some people just not bring a trowel yeah yeah so they just go without and say like oh i'll just dig it with a rock (laughs) yeah i have some opinions about that that just seems like dumb it's the lightest piece of gear like it's so small and lightweight like the deuce of space is so little and weighs it's negligible it's like carrying a receipt in your backpack <laughs> i don't understand so to be fair it seems so silly on, uh, my like one of my shakedown hikes i definitely was just like oh yeah like i don't need a deuce of spades or a trowel or anything i can just use my trekking pole and yeah i tried it one time and it was terrible it took so long i ended up using basically my hands to dig this hole because it just doesn't quite work so if anybody else has found another way to dig a proper cat hole without a trowel let us know because i i am curious i just don't i don't see that going well and i feel like yeah then you're just you're if it's an emergency then and you're trying to use your hands or a rock or a trekking pole, <laughs> you're just not going to dig a good cat hole. <laughs> That's how you end up happen. just not burying it and, like, hoping that someone will think it was a bear. <laughs> it's pretty bad. So are there are you supposed to pack out your toilet paper, or is it approved to bury it? My understanding is generally on the East Coast, it is approved to bury it unless you're in a, like in a high alpine environment where things are a little bit more fragile than, and also there really just isn't a place to bury it. I think though that's really the only case where you're really not supposed to bury it. But I also, I've heard like the other argument of like, you should just always pack it out, which after seeing all of the washed up toilet paper i kind of maybe leaning a little bit more towards that in general and in my future hikes i also want to add that i feel like something that i have messed up with cat holes before is like the leaf litter on top of the ground doesn't count towards your depth because <laughs> um, i feel like that's an easy hack especially somewhere kind of like the smokies where there's just a lot of stuff on the ground it's like it's depth of the dirt, the mm-hmm. actual like topsoil. You can't just move some leaves out of the way and be like, well, it's six inches deep of leaf cover because as the second it rains, that's gone. And I will admit to have made that mistake. It's fine. We all we all learn. <laughs> we all think try to make easier cat holes, but it's bad for everybody else. <laughs> Especially when it's all in the toilet area. Yeah, that's crazy that there were like how often did you dig up someone else's poop? So- I don't know that I ever actually did. Um, I avoided the toilet areas. I would try to just like walk further away from the shelter and go into the woods. And the other thing is <laughs> good just courtesy is after you finish burying your cat hole, like put a stick or something on top so that someone knows not to dig there. I have, like, found what I thought was a great spot before and seen, like, oh, someone has a stick pointing straight out of the ground here. Like, I'm just going to find a new spot. It's like a little flag. You mark your territory. That's really smart. I didn't know that, but I'm definitely going to start doing that because it's it's a good move when it's kind of crowded and you're all in a toilet area. (laughs) Sorry. It's, like, a little gross. We've got to laugh a little because it's... Yikes. Is there anything else you want to add for Tennessee, North Carolina in general, fun stories or things like that? So there is, uh, there are multiple no pooping challenges on the AT. Uh, One of them is in the Smoky Mountains because, well, I guess there are privies on when you're in the North Carolina side, but it's harder to come by. So there's a no pooping challenge 
through the Smokies. It's about 70 miles. And I heard of a trail family all attempting this. And though I think the member that made it the furthest made it really far and just couldn't hold it any longer. And like an excellent leave no trace hiker, he went ahead and just pooped in his crock and like went to go like separately to find a spot to bury it because like we were talking about earlier it's an emergency situation there was no time for the cat hole digging honestly that is like it's very resourceful yeah i don't know if i would have been as ethical and dedicated to the lnt at that point right same i <laughs> that's pretty legit i really admire it and also the fact that he made it multiple days without pooping was very impressive. That seems tough when you're walking so much and your diet's kind of weird because you're hiking and you're eating so much because you're like just churning through calories. Yes. Just to not poop. Respect. I can't wait to find out where the other no pooping challenges were. Do you know of anybody who made it the whole way, like 70 miles? That's almost a week, right? Like, I guess not if you're doing thru-hiker type mileage. It's a long time, though. That is days. It is a long time. I don't know anybody who made it. Yeah, it sounds hard. It does. It does. On that note, what were your favorite and least favorite bathroom spots on the whole trail? Ooh, one of my favorite ones was in... Actually, let me double check this really quick. One of my favorite bathroom spots was the Overmountain Sheltered Bedazzled Toilet. This was in a like fairly secluded spot away from the shelter and you know gave you enough privacy, had a great view of the mountains, and the toilet seat was covered in gemstones. That was really fun. I believe there was one in Tennessee or not Tennessee in Pennsylvania that actually had electricity it didn't have plumbing but it did have a light switch which was pretty pretty neat (laughs) it's exciting yeah and then in north carolina actually fairly close to Asheville, there was one that had just a really nice view it had a door and it had hand sanitizer i enjoyed that i think that was a hogback shelter so are you you like a door yeah i am pro door i like the I like the ones that have like some ventilation maybe above and below the door. Like it doesn't go all the way to the floor or to the ceiling. I think that's beneficial in a privy. Mm -hmm. But I do like having a door and walls for the most part. Because even even if they are in a more private spot, there's always that awkward. Like if you're just coming up to the shelter, you don't know if someone's at the privy. So you start walking and like you have to get close enough to see that there's a person there for you to (laughs) turn around. So the door is just a nice extra layer of privacy when you're like always out in the woods and don't necessarily have that privacy very often. I can see that. I also feel like this might be TMI, but a lot of times backpacking, it's like a middle of the night bathroom break for me. And having the door Mm. in the dark makes me feel a little bit more secure (laughs) and safe in there. Fair. So um, yeah, I definitely get that. And how about your least favorite? My least favorite was one in Virginia. I think it was in the Roanoke area. It was a really hot day. And I think that is just what made this my least favorite one. It was a really hot day. This bathroom was fully closed in, but I don't know what was going on. It was like a sauna in there. I was like just sweating when I came out. It's so gross. And the smell was so rank. It was so bad. And then the opposite, kind of opposite spectrum of that was a different one in North Carolina that was not in a private spot, didn't have a door, and like, I think barely had like a little wall around it. Like, it was just way too out in the open. I did not use that privy. Like, you could walk up to the shelter and see who was in the privy, like, just by, like, standing on the trail. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, I like the, the in-between, you know, decent ventilation, but still some good coverage. 
overall, how would you rank the different types of bathroom options that you have on AT? I mean, plumbing is definitely, if you've got like flushing toilets, which like sometimes if you, I think I remember like Newfound Gap had, um, had real bathrooms. So if you're in like a tourist heavy area, sometimes they'll have real facilities. So that, that always wins because, you know, flushing toilets, doors, and toilet paper, and you can wash your hands with soap. From there, it really depends for me what kind of amenities the bathrooms have. So generally, I'd rank a pit toilet next because usually when I think of the pit toilets, I think of like the ones that are also for like people visiting trailheads, like tourists, maybe just not as popular, but they are professionally maintained and have toilet paper and closing doors and sometimes hand sanitizer. And then if I'm thinking about like a porta potty composting toilet, probably composting because I think the smell is a little bit better, but if the composting privy doesn't have toilet paper then I gotta give it to the porta potty I mean if it's got toilet paper it's yeah that's a huge win <laughs> that's luxury yep and then the cat hole is nice too like if you can find a good spot but just the stress of like making sure that you find a spot where you're not going to be found and then the digging of the cat hole like I I mean I'm definitely gonna pick a one of the other options that comes with toilet paper over a cat hole. Right. Yeah, it's more convenient. And what are the L&T kind of guidelines for a cat hole? Because I've always heard that, like, if there is a privy or some of, one of the other toilet options available, you should always use that instead of digging a cat hole. Yes, absolutely. Um, so if, if there is a privy or anything available, like you said, you should use that so they can concentrate everything in one place. They know how to manage that and they manage it well. So you should definitely do that. Or if you do prefer a cat hole, you know, continue hiking away from the shelter. How much toilet paper did you carry at a time? Was it typical for like a shelter privy to have toilet paper there or was it pretty much always you had to have it? Yeah, definitely not typical for a shelter privy to have toilet paper. So I just always planned on, you know, having to use my own. So I carried enough generally so that I, if I had to poop twice a day for however long until I got to the next town to get more toilet paper, that, that like I would make it. Because my fear was, you know, what if, what if I did get Noro? or something like that. <laughs> um, I don't want to run out of toilet paper. And then as a backup, I had some wet wipes that I like dried out because at one point I thought I would like wipe the dirt off my legs, which I never did. Um, but I had those as like another backup, which those you can't bury. You do have to pack out and you can't put them in a privy. But that was like my backup for my backup toilet paper. Where did you usually get your toilet paper from? Usually from the grocery store bathroom or the McDonald's bathroom. Or if I was lucky enough to be staying at a family member's house, I could get some, you know, three or four ply. Ooh. Whatever is just not one ply. Yeah. <laughs> Anything not one ply felt like luxury. You just got to make sure you pack more when you're going with the one ply. Very, very fun. Did you ever try using like a pea cloth? I know those have kind of been growing in popularity. Well, I did not bring one. And mostly I didn't bring it because I couldn't get over the fact that I would have to hang it on my backpack, which was just like, oh, I just, I don't want to hang in my backpack. I don't, I don't know. I couldn't get past that. But you also don't have to hang it on your backpack. You can store it wherever. But my husband actually for my birthday just got me one, which kudos to him for even knowing what that was or knowing that that was a thing. So I am excited to try it and I can report back. I think it'll be really handy for, for long runs and things like that too. Yeah, we'll see. I was fine not using one, but you know, maybe this will rock my world. Maybe it'll change the game. I feel like I, I'm kind of in the same boat where I've never tried one because it freaks me out that you're like, it just hangs on the outside of your bag. But I also know people who have like, who regularly do the pee bandana 
and at least the pea cloth is like kind of a step up because it's like the antimicrobial like microfiber fabric or whatever so it's not gonna develop the same kind of yes pea smell as a bandana and it's like very obvious like it's a you look at it and you're like that's a pea cloth like it's there's brands and they look a certain way so you're never gonna get it mixed up with other stuff I do have a funny story about a pea cloth um actually this happened in Tennessee I was talking to to a group of people who I think were just doing a section but one of the guys had found a really cool pot cloth on the ground and he was like super excited about this like cool design on his new pot cloth it was all galactic and he used it for a couple of days before one of his friends saw him using it it was like bro that is a cool cloth like that is a pea rag you've been wiping it your pot with that this whole time (laughs) oh no (laughs) okay so I guess not it's not as obvious to like everybody yeah if you're going out there look up what a cool cloth looks like just so you know not a pot cloth (laughs) not a pot that's tough that's tough Uh, also don't leave your your pea cloths out in the woods Yes, remember them. Oh, poor guy. Similar vein, did you ever try a shiwi? So, like, I think that's the thing where you can pee standing up. Yeah, which is really, like, sounds great. I like the concept. I did not try one, but it sounds super convenient. Like, you don't have to show the world your butt. I kind of have the same hang-up that I initially did with the cool cloth of, like, where do you store it afterwards? What do you do with it? But I do like the concept. It's nice. The option's out there. Yes. It exists. It's. I also have heard, though, like there's a learning curve with them. So the first couple times you try it might not go so great. Wait, like, have you tried one? Of like, no, I haven't. But I've read mostly on like forums and stuff, people talking about using them. And like you would want to practice it at home in a low stakes situation (laughs) before you take it out on the trail because like it's a bad day i have heard of people like in the middle of the night too using those to like pee in a nalgene or something so they don't have to get out of their tent so i think that would be i mean for me that would be like worst case scenario that it we have a malfunction incident on the sleeping bag or on your quilts on your down Oh, no. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so practice. Okay, that's the takeaway. Yeah, especially if you're going to use it in your tent. Like, you can't stand up the whole way. Right. That's um, that's some technique right there. For sure. All right. And our last sort of, I guess, downstairs gear. That's what I'm going to call it. <laughs> our last downstairs gear question. Uh, for people, like, who get periods, what are the best ways to manage them on trail? So it's a little bit tough for me to speak on this because I did not get my period when I was on trail, but I did look into the different options just in in case I did. The two main options I've seen people talk about were tampons and then like a, a menstrual cup. So the pro with the menstrual cup is that it's reusable. The con is that you're really using your hands to take it out and put it back in. So sanitation, sanitary conditions of through hiking, and then also doing that, eh, you know, I don't know. That's a risk that I guess everybody has to weigh for themselves. And then tampons, yeah, not reusable and you do have to pack them out, which sounds less fun but i heard of people like that did have to pack them out putting them in a ziploc bag sometimes people would like duct tape the outside of it be a little bit more discreet but also you know like do whatever you got to do uh so yeah those are kind of the the two options that i read about and uh i don't actually don't know what i would do i was really torn between these so i was happy to be in the camp that i was not going to get my period and i didn't have to make a, a solid decision Okay, so yeah, just delete your period before you through hike. That's definitely the <laughs> life hack. Just get rid of it, and then you'll be fine. A hormonal IUD. That would be. I mean, that's what worked for me. Yeah. Yeah, if you can. I mean, I definitely feel like that's a. It's very convenient to not have to worry about that and deal with it. 
booked for a number of reasons, like not just the the equipment you need to deal with it, but also like getting cramps and everything. Not a good time. Yeah, tampon. I've had to do like packing out tampons before, and definitely like taking a Ziploc bag and wrapping duct tape around the outside so it's not clear. It didn't feel that different than just like throwing them in the trash and then you throw it out or dump it out. So I don't know. Do you think things like period underwear or things like that would work? So I've heard of people using that and liking it. I have never used period underwear at all, so I don't even know if I would like them in real life. Um, So that's tough for me to gauge. Um, But I have heard of people using them, so maybe something to experiment with. It definitely seems like it's kind of similar to the chewy in that whatever you choose maybe like don't pick a new method try it out beforehand don't buy your first menstrual cup and then take it on the at you want to practice a little yes for sure okay so let's so we're kind of like gonna transition here into more toiletry type hygiene so like hair skin sweating that sort of thing did anything take you by surprise hygiene wise I was prepared to be cleaner than I ended up being, which isn't a surprise, but I was surprised at how comfortable I was with just, like, being gross and going to bed gross. That does not surprise me about you. (laughs) And the other thing that wasn't, I don't know if it was a surprise, it was more of just, like, a, a realization that... I think could be good advice was like my strategy for peeing before bed so I used to at the beginning I had to like wake up in the middle of the night to go pee and I just I hated that like I just want to sleep what I ended up doing is just not drinking any water after I had my dinner and then I wouldn't I would definitely wake up dehydrated but I wouldn't have to pee in the middle of the night that sounds pretty good you're kind of like like a puppy like when you get a brand new like eight week old puppy, they're like pick up their water after eight p.m. Yes, exactly. Like a puppy, a dirty, gross puppy. Speaking of being dirty, how often were you able to shower, and like, did you have any strategy to kind of stave off feeling disgusting in between? Like I said, I didn't ever really feel super disgusting. Um, even though I was definitely so dirty and so gross, I just felt okay with it. But I was generally able to shower every three to five days. I think the longest I went was either seven or nine days. And by the end of that, the only thing that I was excited, well, I mean, I was excited to shower, but like the thing I was most excited to wash was my hair. I just, I did not enjoy the end of that phase of having like just really, really gross hair. But I do know some people used baby wipes between their showers just to like, feel a little bit fresher and then another fun AT challenge was no showering and no laundry for the whole state of Virginia oh my god I did not participate in that one either but yeah so that makes my like seven to nine day no shower look like absolutely nothing because yeah like we said in the other episode Virginia's 550 miles right about a month maybe to get through yeah the poor town of harper's ferry (laughs) (laughs) yeah that is a long time wow that's a lot of miles truly impressive hats off to anyone who can make it that long without getting some fungal infection (laughs) so speaking of your hair how did you take care of it i have definitely thought about like is it worth it just to buzz my hair i have had a buzz cut before it didn't look good but Maybe if it was really convenient, I would do it again. Yeah, I know two people who buzzed their hair and totally rocked it. They looked awesome, and I was jealous of them. I think if I felt maybe a little bit more confident, I would have also buzzed my hair. But I like I like having longer hair, so I suffered through the braiding of my hair and the occasional brushing. I think I started... I did bring a brush, um, just like a small wet brush, and I think I started out like brushing my hair each night and morning (laughs) um, before I definitely stopped doing that. So I would braid my hair right after my shower, after it dries, and I would just leave it in the braid, sleep in it, 
hike in it and eventually it would get you know like start falling apart and sometimes I would try to rebraid it but if it got to a point where I couldn't really detangle it or I couldn't get my wet brush through it anymore sometimes I would throw a hat on and do a low bun and then other times if I didn't want to wear the hat I would just put it in a bun and curse myself later when I was showering in town and trying to detangle it yeah did you have access to anything like conditioner or things like that when you like went into town to shower what was what was available to you that was um conditioner was hit or miss but that was kind of like toilet paper like when you see it it's like it's a good day it's super excited Uh, sometimes most of the time it would be like a the like you know two in one or three in one like body wash shampoo conditioner which like I'll take it you know it's fine it worked generally I was able to find shampoo like at a a hotel or a hostel they have shampoo um there are a couple times up north I don't know if it was like a state park shower it was more of like a public shower situation and I did at one point start carrying a bottle of shampoo because out of the whole shower experience I was most excited about my hair I think there were a couple times where I didn't even wash my whole body like it was more of like a hose situation and I would just shampoo my hair because it felt really nice so I know because I know you but like you wash your hair pretty often in normal everyday life and especially Mm -hmm. on the trail when you're getting sweaty like I'm kind of that people who sort of have their hair down to like oh I only wash it once a week or twice a week or whatever once every two weeks like they're they're born for the trail they don't even need this episode jealous so yeah like did you what did you have literally carrying with you versus what you kind of relied on towns to have for you in terms of all toiletries so shampoo conditioner soap deodorant skincare so i carried my own small toothpaste i did carry shampoo for for a short time i don't know i think it was like through new hampshire and maine i carried my own shampoo i did also bring sunscreen i started with the sunscreen stick and I thought that would be good because I wouldn't have to be like touching my face with my gross hands. But I found that I had to rub it in anyway. And it was like stickier than regular sunscreen. So the dirt was just kind of sticking as I did that. So I did switch to just like a like a regular beach defense banana boat, whatever sunscreen. And, and that worked fine. I still was not very regular about applying it. I should have been better about it. But I did carry that and I carried soap. Hot take, I did not carry hand sanitizer. So hand sanitizer by itself won't kill norovirus. So I figured rather than carrying hand sanitizer and soap, I should just carry soap. Otherwise, there's no way I was going to force myself to use both. I would have just used hand sanitizer because it was easier. So I carried a small thing of Dr. Bronner's soap and then I ended up having just like a little stuff sack bag for all of this well I did have my toothpaste my toothbrush in my my food bag separate but the shampoo and the soap and toilet paper and trowel and my dried out wet wipes that I never really used all lived in my little toiletry stuff sack so if I had to go dig a cat hole or go to the privy I could just grab that and go and have everything together and then you didn't touch on deodorant. This was in our trailer. Deodorant? Yeah, no deodorant. No deodorant for me. I mean, to each their own, but like even after showering, you just, you smell so fast and your clothes start smelling. I just, I don't think there's any way to really mask that. And if you wore deodorant, people might mistake you as a day hiker. I did develop a very sharp sense of smell for fragrance in general oh my gosh that's so funny you pass someone that smells good and you're like "Mm, day hiker for sure you can smell them coming like you don't even have to pass them oh my gosh you're like a bear like you're the reason that people have to hang their deodorant like fragrance things in their bear bag because you'll sniff them out oh my gosh okay yeah I think that kind of like makes sense because I feel like really 
like also deodorant can kind of like irritate your skin if you have it on for days at a time without washing so maybe if you're really diligent with your wet wipes you can make it work but at what cost right stuff's heavy and a hassle yeah did you so I know like you developed your sensitivity to fragrance but did you kind of go nose blind to your own stench yes absolutely and generally the stench of people around me I could tell though just how bad we smelled when we were like trying to get a hitch or if we were talking to day hikers and they like either step back or when you're getting a hitch they immediately roll down the windows or they just say like oh yeah like definitely just hop in the bed so you know you do smell even if you can't smell it yourself shout out to all the people who gave you rides even though you stunk yes the real mvps so our last but definitely not the least important topic i would say this is probably the most important topic of the day what happened to your feet my feet this didn't happen to me till a little bit later on in the trail when it was summertime and my feet were really sweaty and also just wet from hiking in rain and just high humidity and i noticed that i had these little pits on the bottom of my feet and at first like as I was walking it kind of felt like a hot spot I thought I needed to tape it because it was gonna turn into a blister so I like took my shoes and socks off and like put some tape over the spot like on the very bottom of my foot and as I was hiking I could just feel it slime off like it just didn't even stay and eventually I looked it up I had pitted keratolysis I believe it's called I mean it's these little bacteria that eat pits into your feet and make your feet itchy and I felt like it made my feet even wetter. Sometimes they would just randomly, they were already a little damp, like get really wet, which is really gross. And they smelled, they smelled really bad. Just, yeah, smelled like a dead animal. There was, there were a couple of times, well, there's one main time that I was camping by a river and thought there was a dead animal in the woods, but I also wasn't sure if it was my socks. So I did go investigate and there was a dead animal further back, but it was definitely the question of, is this me? Is this the dead animal? So yeah, I should have been changing my socks a little bit more frequently and maybe carried a a third pair of socks because that was gross. That's definitely not something that you want to have happen. Don't grow your own bacteria. I got to see it. It was not good. If you are curious, you can Google pictures, but it's not nice. Yeah, so you talked like third socks. What are, how do we avoid this not getting the pits? What causes it? Yeah, so it's caused by having wet feet, which is just hard to avoid on the AT. So change your socks. And when you do get to camp, this is where camp shoes can really come in handy. Take your shoes and socks off, let your feet air out, wear your sandals around while you do your camp chores and keep your socks off at night to let your feet dry out. Yeah, be careful. Take care of your feet. The rig is rough on them. So like I knew it was important to like, you know, take care of your feet, but I didn't know the stakes for like camp shoes or a third pair of socks could be quite that high. And I mean, I heard I didn't have trench foot, but I've heard that's even worse. Like that can result in, I think maybe some long-term damage. So definitely something to be, to be aware of. If you were to go back or I guess even subsequent upcoming through height, what would you do differently about your hygiene strategy? So for feet, I... Would have started with camp shoes. I did not start with camp shoes. I probably would have carried a third pair of socks. I think I would have maybe cut my hair a little bit shorter because obviously your hair grows when you hike. So it was longer than I probably would have liked it to be towards the end of my hike. And oh, I started with uh, the toothpaste tabs, which I know you like, Julia, but... I just didn't like them. They did not give me the like the minty fresh feeling that I like from toothpaste. So I started with those and then I just I eventually gave up and switched back to toothpaste. So I probably would have just started with toothpaste for myself. Oh, and I would not have cut my toothbrush because my hands were gross and these this tiny toothbrush like to get all the way back in the back of my mouth and like sticking my hands in my mouth. I eventually just got a regular size toothbrush and I would have just started with that and just 
bit the bullet on the extra gram. <laughs> so toothbrush cutting is to save it's to save weight, like cutting off the handle. It is. It's a hallmark uh, through hiker thing to do, but I, yeah, I switched back to a regular one, and going forward, I will use a regular length toothbrush. I'll also add, though, like the toothpaste tabs. This is something that happened recently just because I dropped, this is, again, my BTMI, the lid. So they come in like a little glass jar the first time you get them, and then you just refill your little glass jar. So I dropped the lid to my jar into the toilet. So then I was like, okay, I just have to throw out this lid, and like I'll just leave my jar open. But like obviously that's it didn't go well because they're sitting in my bathroom and when they get humid it like destroys them like their texture gets weird the flavor like it totally they were disgusting and super weird mushy and grainy and like yeah their flavor got really strange so if you are using toothpaste tabs obviously you're probably not going to carry the glass jar with you because it's heavy but like whatever you're using to store them don't let them get exposed to high humidity because they will get congealed together and like stuck on the bottom it was really bad yeah which is definitely something to be cautious of on the at so you're not having to bite out of your toothpaste tab brick yeah anything else you would do differently or change your approach on i probably would have worn more sunscreen and i would have just brought the sunscreen that i use in normal life and I think I mentioned this on the earlier episode. I probably would have brought some sort of moisturizer, especially through the colder months. My face just felt so dry and just would have been a nice luxury to have a moisturized face. So I would have done that for myself. Yes, I feel like the moral of this is like sometimes it's worth a couple extra grams to make the experience just a little bit better. Yes, it's about balance for sure. And I can't wait till we get to talk weight and we can talk about how much your toothbrush weighs and your travel weighs when we have our gear episode. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Anything else we need to cover before we sign off? I don't think so. All right. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. This has been quite the jam-packed episode and we hope you come back next time. We'll be going into Southern Virginia And we're going to be talking about trail towns and a lot of the culture surrounding the Appalachian Trail. So I can't wait. Make sure to give us a follow and a rating if you liked this. Check out our other episodes if you haven't already. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and give us a follow on Instagram. We also post some fun other things there. Until next time, thanks for listening. Bye.